James chapter 3, verse 1. I hope you've enjoyed this series so far. We really have. Uh, just learning what it means to be and what it looks like to be a maverick and an unorthodox um, Someone who's willing to follow Jesus no matter what in this culture where it's not really popular to do so. Look with me at verse 1. James says, dear brothers and sisters. Uh-oh. We've seen this phrase throughout this series. Man, I've got like a really weird feedback, like a hissing thing I've never heard before. And it has given me absolute anxiety. <laughs> if you could, Thank you. Dear brothers and Sisters, now everybody's going to hear it, but we'll work our way through it. All right, not many of you should become teachers yeah. in the church. For we who teach will be judged more strictly. I, I promise I'm not going to do this, but I have to break this passage. I have to break this piece down. Because there have been so many people excuse themselves from leading other people to Jesus because of this verse. Okay, what this is saying... This word, as we look at the original text, teachers, it means a, a, a master or an instructor. Okay, so here's James's concern. Can I, let me just tell you as a pastor, it really concerns me when somebody thinks they belong on the platform. It, it really concerns me. Like, when you're not willing to go through the process. Well, I'm, I just came from another church. Why do I have to go through next steps? Because I went through next steps. I got to go through next. You got to go. <laughs> well, I mean, I've led worship for 20 years. Why do I have to try? Why do I have to audition? Because my worship pastor don't know you. And she doesn't know your heart. It, it concerns me. Pastor, my, people come up. I've had uh, people come up to me. It's like, man, I, I'm just, I'm, I'm called to preach. I mean, if you ever need me to preach, you just, how about, how about you just show up for work on time? Let's just start there. <laughs> How about you do what God tells you to do until he shows you what else to do? It just concerns me when people think they deserve the platform or they deserve the pulpit. And I think that's what James is speaking to. He's speaking to people that think they deserve a position and or a place instead of being humble. Here's what he's not saying. He's not saying that you should be excused from discipleship. He's not saying that you should break one of Jesus' commands to go you therefore and make disciples. This is not an opportunity to excuse yourself from leading someone else in your journey with Jesus. It's an understanding that when you walk into that aspect of your relationship with him, and by the way, if you never walk into that aspect, you are missing, you are missing an aspect of your relationship with God. It's when you walk into that, you understand that it is in great humility that you carry this mantle. Even if you're just inviting someone along in your journey and, and training them and teaching them, you need to understand, and I get this, that you will be judged even more strictly. Hey, that's why we tell our, our, our prayer team, look, I don't care how you feel about alcohol. If you're going to be on this altar team, you can't drink alcohol. You can't consume alcohol. Well, the Bible doesn't say, I didn't ask you what the Bible said. I said, this is the standard for you to be a leadership in leadership at this level. Well, if I have a drink at my house by myself, don't post it on Facebook. I won't say nothing because I won't know. If you're going to walk in this level of leadership, then God is calling you to a higher standard. That you should be humble, but you should never excuse yourself from discipling other people. Just know that when you do, there's a... 
There's a mantle, there's a responsibility upon us. All right, let me keep going. Verse two, indeed, we all make many mistakes. And we do. Indeed, we all make many mistakes. For if we could control our tongues, man, I thought he was done with this. Let me talk about this for two chapters. If we could control our tongues, then we, then we wouldn't have worthless religion, according to James 1, 26. We can control our tongues. We would be perfect and could also control ourselves in every other way. I think James just said that your mouth is a reflection of everything else that you are. Now, I want to hone in real quick on, what, uh, on we, we all make many mistakes, I don't know if you've noticed, I'm just not an excuse myself from responsibility kind of a person. And, and I, don't, I don't predominantly, it doesn't sit well with me when other people do it either. Okay, So here's my question. Can we stop just conceding to sin? Can, can we stop going, well, you know, I'm just human, I'm just going to fall. And then James says, look, look. We all make many mistakes, okay? We get this. But we don't just excuse ourselves and call it grace. Because we don't do this in any other area. I have never heard a productive citizen come up to me and go, you know, Pastor Ross, when I go to work, I mean, I'm going to make some mistakes. I'm going to mess some stuff up at work. You know, I'm a carpenter on this I just, sometimes you just never know. You know, you might just have a bad day. It's, you know, I, I'm going to go under, I'm going to mess up a bid today and cost myself thousands of dollars, you know, because I'm just human, you know. I, I can't be on time. I, I'm going to be a little late. Get time. You never know, preacher. Never know. I might just, I might just cuss out my boss today because I'm human, you know. Nobody's perfect. I don't know if you knew it, but nobody's perfect. No, 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 we don't do that. Watch out, everybody. The pilot's smoking pot again. Just be careful. We're going to be all right. Just put your seatbelt on. Just, we just concede to sin. Be careful at school this week. Something might come over your teacher. Y'all watch out for Miss Joy. She might slap a kid. You just never know. Never know. She's just human. She's just human. Hey, could we stop settling for mediocrity and calling it grace? Why do we do this in regards to our spiritual life? We don't do that in any other area. You don't go to work just conceding that you're going to screw everything up and cost yourself, your boss, your company. You know what we do with people who settle for mediocrity in society? We fire them. Let's not settle for mediocrity. I believe with all my heart that the same grace that saved me can keep me saved. I believe, yet mercy triumphs over judgment. Thank God, but the same mercy that set me free can keep me free. We're not going to settle and concede to sin. I'll come back to that because he talks about it some more. Jump with me down to verse 5. The Bible says in the same way, as he uses some of these different things as illustrations, the tongue, it's a small thing that makes grand speeches. Help me, Jesus. But a tiny, a tiny spark, we have used this so many times, I'm telling you, we have gotten our money's worth from this thing. Just a tiny spark, I love it, can set an entire forest ablaze. How intense is that? 
It's like 2,000 degrees. You see the blue flame? There's no yellow in that thing. No, no, it will melt through you. <laughs> well, I just might mess up today. <laughs> no, no, we're not. We're not going to mess up. Not just going to concede to sin. Not going to just concede that we're going to stumble. Because it's like a tiny spark that can set a great forest on fire. Verse 6, among all the parts of the body, the tongue is a flame of fire. Did you know that this thing is more powerful than this thing? The tongue is a flame of fire. It is a whole world of wickedness. Don't be bumping anybody. This is for you. Corrupting, look, watch what James says, not somebody else. Corrupting your entire body. It can set your whole life on fire, for it is set on fire by, man, James, my man didn't get any sleep the night he was writing this. He was, dear brothers and sisters, verse 7, people can tame all kinds of animals. I found this one interesting. Birds, reptiles, sit, gator, Fish, jump, Goldie. Yeah, I don't know. That's just what goes through my head whenever I read the Bible. Verse 8, but nobody can tame the tongue. It is restless and evil and full of deadly poison. Let's keep reading. Oh, God, help us. That is painful. Verse 9, sometimes it praises our Lord and Father, and sometimes it curses those who have been made in the image of God. And so blessing and cursing, well, I just can't, I just, I mean, I'm just human. I can't help what comes out of my mouth. I might just cuss my kid out today. I hope he doesn't make me mad. Probably going to just tongue whip my spouse and ruin 20 years of investment. Just, you just never know what's going to happen. Sometimes it praises our Lord and sometimes it curses. It's blessing and cursing couldn't come pouring out of the same mouth. It should not be. Surely my brothers and sisters, there he is again, my brothers and sisters, this is not right. I don't know if he's saying it that way, but that's how I feel about myself often. Verse 11, does a spring of water bubble up with fresh water and bitter water? Verse 12, look at it. See the imagery, if you will. Does a fig tree produce olives? Or a grapevine produce figs? I was out in the field yesterday. I was standing next to a fig tree. You know, I wasn't looking for something to put on my salad. It's just, it's not what I was expecting to be on that tree. And I think often when people walk up to a so-called saved person, a believer, a follower of Jesus... What's on the tree and what they expected is not the same thing. No, James says, you cannot draw fresh water from a salty spring. You'll be one or the other. All right, so when I first went into ministry and... Uh, Tanner was with us this week, and he found out there are some things they don't talk about in Bible college. And when I went to, when I went to Searcy, Arkansas, um, also at that time, specifically known as the livingnativity.com, 
I didn't realize that becoming a youth pastor meant that I was going to, I was going to become a camel herder. And, but, but for three years, for three years, in November and December, like middle of November to the middle of December, I, I herded camels. I, I took care of donkeys and goats. And I'm not talking about people in the church. I'm talking about actual donkeys. <laughs> That's funny right there. I don't care who you are. <laughs> That's how my pastor felt about me being on his staff at that time. Like legitimate, actual donkeys and goats. And then we had camels. It was really funny. We went and picked them up in Gentry, Arkansas, but we didn't have like an enclosed trailer. We just had like a big trailer with no top because they were taller than horses. And so we'd be driving back from Gentry, Arkansas with two camels in the back. <laughs> People would pass us and be like, hey, <laughs> they got camels. Listen, we in Arkansas, there's two camels back there. So anyways, I was almost every night, because you only had certain people that we would let walk the camels. And we, we did this big living nativity in Bethlehem. It was like a Bethlehem presentation. It's kind of Jerusalem and Bethlehem kind of put together. It's an immaculate thing. You go to livingnativity.com, see some of the pictures. Crazy. Tens of thousands of people travel from all over, come wait in the parking lot in their cars, and they drive through this thing. It's about 300 yards worth of a drive all the way around. It's immaculate, okay? I've got the camel. I've got the camel. James actually uses this illustration. It's like the tongue is like the bit of a, a bit of a horse, this, this little small thing that controls this massive animal. Okay? And I've got this rope and a camel. You guys see that thing? There's two of them. The one behind him is twice as big as him. That's the small one. The one behind him is named Matthias. I called this one Judas. I didn't even know what his real name was. He was just an angry little thing. So all I had on this camel was a rope. All right, there was a storm. Came through that night. And we had these giant columns, cardboard columns that they used to form like conduit pipes or, or concrete pipes that you would put for drainage. We had these giant columns. They were 20 feet tall and then we put styrofoam on top of them and by we, I mean our children's pastor, and, and then we'd write, and he'd paint them, and it looked like, it actually looked like the column of a palace. It was massive, okay? And the thing that was holding, there was one two-by-four holding this to this giant palace. You can see it on, online. And a storm came through, and that column started catching some wind, okay? And I saw it, because I'm a human. But Matthias, my man, didn't see it. Okay, so that wind came through, and some of you heard the story. Pow, that column snapped. And Matthias kind of startled a little bit, and I saw that column coming down. Now, it wasn't close to us, but it was loud. And it was right behind my man, Matthias, who was on a rope. The problem was Chris was on the other end of that rope. And when that column hit the ground... That camel raised up in the, I didn't even know camels could do this. I was impressed and terrified all at the same time. And he made this sound. I don't know if you've never heard a camel scream. It's very similar to the sound that Gabriel makes when I scare him in the dark. He's up in the air and I'm holding the camel like this. Can you see this thing? This is a true story. You can't make stuff like this up. I'm a youth pastor. Why am I holding a camel? Up in the air, oh, both legs. Okay, this dude's foot is the size of my face. 
So y'all, it was in my heart and it came out my mouth. I said, oh, and I said it, like plain as day. And another guy was sitting on a stool holding his camel, which was a smaller camel. He wasn't the leader. The bigger camel was the leader, and I said, oh, and he came up, and I know my man heard me. I t all I knew to do, I was 185 pounds at the time. All I knew to do was take that, I said, and I dropped down to the ground as hard as I could. I pulled that rope down on the ground, and this 2,000-pound camel, 185 pounds in a rope, came crashing down like somebody shot him with a seven mag. Boom, on the ground. And then I just held him real tight. And he was, and I was like, oh, and I'm sorry. I was, I was scared, y'all. I didn't know what else to pray. And I held him. And then I went and told my pastor, hey, listen, pretty sure board members and a couple of staff members just heard me curse plain as day. Pastor, here's what happened. He goes, oh, Chris. He was so disappointed. He was so afraid. Here's why he was afraid. Because he knew if it came out of my mouth, it was in my heart. It's like the bit of a horse. It's like the, the rudder of a boat. Now, this is the rudder of a Cajun ship, also known as a crawfish boat. So if you, it's right here. And I've gotten a ride in a couple of these called a large amount of frogs, in which I ate happily because i like frogs and they're scared of me anyway so this rudder the only thing between me and an alligator floating through that crawfish pond was the boat controlled by this rudder hundreds of pounds worth of man and machine and frogs hallelujah inside of this boat and this giant machine being controlled by this and here's here's what james says in this passage, James is saying, of all those things, oh, look, there's one right there. Is that one bigger than the other one? Of the rudder, of the flame, of all the stuff that we deal with and all the things that we go through, it is this thing right here that causes more damage now this is a memorable illustration. <laughs> See, sticks and stones may break my bones, but I can knock you out with this sucker. <laughs> you think that the tongue doesn't have an impact on it. I can't wait for my wife to be on the front row in the next two services. <laughs> It's going to be so fun. Some of you Cajuns are so disappointed. It's like, man, that would have been so good. And if you make it, I'll eat it. I'm telling you right now. I ate some at a, I ate some at a Latino restaurant. I took my own life in my hands. I ate a cow tongue at a Latino restaurant. And I'm still alive. Tell about it. I'd love to have one you make. This thing right here, sticks and stones may break my bones. No, 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 come on. This thing, this will hurt you in places that you can't see. Because this goes way deeper than a stick and a stone, y'all, all right? I feel like we're about to lose some people. I'm going to put him up. I'm going to put him up. I named him Fred. He's, he needed his own name. That's what it was. Took me a little while to find him. It was like, we're all sold out. 
What do you mean you sold out? <laughs> Man, we can't keep these things. <laughs> what are you doing with them? <laughs> There's a lot of preachers using these things for illustrations or what? That's a delicacy here. <laughs> no, it ain't. <laughs> no, it ain't. How do I, how do I control... How do I control this tongue? Let's talk about it. How do I control this tongue? This, for me, three inches a matter. For a cow, my Lord. I was, I was really wanting a camel tongue because that thing's black and it's ugly and nasty. Anyways, I, I couldn't find one. How do I control this tongue? Before I get into the first few points, I think it's important that you understand. A number one. This isn't even the, the first point. This is before the first point. And I've alluded to it. If you want to control the tongue, A number one, you must want to. Like, you just have to care enough about other people to want to control your... You have to care enough about Jesus and your example for him. You have to want to control the tongue. Well, I may mess up. Yes, you may mess up. But it should not be because you're lazy spiritually. You may mess up, but it should not be because you have just conceded to your humanity. The last time I checked, divinity put on flesh and live this thing out in my place. He didn't just die on the cross over and over and over again to sin. He was resurrected from the grave because he wanted to be resurrected from the grave. And if he can be resurrected over sin, come on, I can be resurrected over sin. I may stumble, but I will not fall. For the Lord upholds me with his hand. If you want to control this thing, you have to want to. And if you don't want to, then you need to check your heart. Because God may or may not have it. And I know that that's intense, but I have seen this thing split churches. I have seen this thing send people to hell. I have seen this thing keep people out of heaven. I've seen it cause divorces. I've seen this tongue cause children, children, to walk away from God and want nothing to do with him. Because of somebody that said they represented him. If you want to control the tongue, before we get into anything else, I'm telling you, in your heart, you should want to control your tongue. And I'm going to give you an acronym just to help you remember it. And I'm going to go quickly here. How do I control this tongue? Stop. Stop. I feel like there's an old movie clip or uh, I don't know, maybe it's Saturday Night Live and I shouldn't have been watching it. But somebody's like, I don't know what to do. And the, the, the counselor, he's, he's not really a counselor. He leans in. They're like, I don't know what to do. He's like, okay, come here. I'm going to tell you what to do. Stop it. That's what you got to do. All right, case settled. Next, you know, that, that doesn't fix it. Here's the point. Stop, number one, the S represents legitimately. Stop. Like, like pause for a second. There's this other acronym, and I'm going to give you several of them. It's called HALT. 
H-A-L-T. It's very similar. It means the same thing as stop, right? Just stop right there. Halt. It represents being hungry, being angry, being lonely, or being tired. Okay, before you just blow up at somebody or something, stop. Okay, don't say something that a snack could have made better. Are you, are you angry? Are you angry? Do you just need to take a walk? Do, do you need to take a deep breath? Maybe three or four? Remember, there is no bigger moment. We think, we see people take deep breaths, right? Tonight, if you're watching the LSU game, or the Florida State, the quarterback's gonna get in on a big moment. He's gonna, he's gonna get under the, because why? Because we need to calm ourselves down. We need to slow down our heart rate. And I told you a couple weeks ago, there is no bigger moment than how you respond when you get mad. That's the biggest moment of your life. Could be the biggest moment of your spouse's life or your children's life. It could be the biggest moment of the unbeliever that's looking to you to be the living example of God's love for them. It's a big moment. Take a deep breath. Halt. Are you lonely? You need to call a friend? There's not wisdom, hear me, there's not wisdom in a mentor. There's wisdom in a multitude. Do you need to call some people and, and run this scenario by them before you just, for lack of better terms, regurgitate at the mouth? Ruin your example, ruin your witness, ruin your influence. You've, so, you've actually worked so hard to earn. Are you just lonely? You just need to call somebody, talk to somebody? What about tired? <laughs> Did you just not sleep good last night and you just need to realize you're just in a bad mood and it has nothing to do with them? Come on, I feel the anointing right here. Somebody write this down, power nap. Come on, somebody. <laughs> well, I don't have time to take a power nap. <laughs> You, if you ain't got 20 minutes, I can't fall asleep in 20 minutes. Yes, you can. You never tried. 20 minutes, 30 minutes. Maybe get you. I'm not talking about a two and a half hour nap. I can't handle that. That gives me a headache. That's miserable. I'm talking about setting a fan timer on your phone. These are just practical things. And just take a breath. Well, if you don't have time to take a breath, if you don't have time to take a nap, then why don't you just sit down and yield before Jesus for two minutes, maybe seven or ten. Set an alarm. Make sure you don't fall asleep. And don't talk. Just listen. And when you start getting distracted, say his name in your spirit. Hungry, angry, lonely, tired. Stop. Stop. Number two, think. S-T. Think. Think. How many of y'all heard this? Think before you speak. My Lord, if I had a dollar, we'd build that building for cash. Come on, somebody. I've heard it said this way. Christopher. Why are you always calling me by my whole name? Christopher, you better think. Boy, you better think before you speak. <laughs> Why, you don't. See, I, should, I did it again. I did. <laughs> you remember that passage that says, no weapon? Our, our weapon of warfare is not carnal in nature, but divine in power and able to demolish strongholds. Do you know that it is in that passage that Paul says, so take every thought captive? Take every thought captive. Hey, listen, hear me. Just because you think it doesn't mean you should say it. In fact, oh, I'm going to help somebody today. If you actually say out loud, you know, I probably shouldn't say this. Some of y'all heard this before. You're right. That was the Holy Ghost. 
trying to tell you to shut your mouth. Y'all thought I was going to say the ugly word, huh? Nope, there's little ones in here. I got in trouble for that a couple weeks, so I'm not saying it again. I thought before I spoke. <laughs> if you have to say, I probably shouldn't say this. You know, I, I, I know I'm not supposed to talk about people. You're right. Don't do it. Shut your mouth. Stop. Think. Let me give you another acronym. T. Is it true to think? Is this true? Or is it only partially true? Do I even know the whole story? I'm about to respond to this with, with a partial truth. I've only heard one side. I'm about to give somebody bad advice. I'm about to be biased and possibly call somebody the right reaction to the real issue. Is it true? Is this, is this even true? Hey, do you know so-and-so said, man, this is, I wish I had more time with all of this, because this is really leadership 101. People come and say, hey, did you know so-and-so? Well, who is it? Okay, listen, if you don't have a name, then I don't have time to know what you said. Nameless people, people that don't want to be known, don't need to be known, well, then I don't need to know what they said. Who, who said that? Well, I, they asked me not to tell you. Okay, then answer this question. Why are they more comfortable telling you than they are telling me to tell you to tell something? Because that might be an issue with you, that you're the person that everybody can come and gossip to or complain about. See, we need to check our spirit in this. Is it true? Is it helpful? Man, I, two years ago, and I got to go quick. Two years ago, I called, and, and he spoke here. Bishop, Daryl Hines, who's a bishop in the Church of God in Christ. He spoke here several years ago. When all this stuff began to happen... Across our nation in 2020, specifically the things in regards to racial injustice and racism and, and the streets were exploding and, and then some people were way over here and, and there was some truth to that and some people were way over here and there was some truth to that. I called Bishop. I text him and his wife, Pam. I said, hey, I, I need I, one of y'all. I need your help. This little bearded white boy from North Louisiana doesn't know what to do right now. I need you. And I will never forget what Bishop Hines said to me. He said, Chris... I've spoken in the White House. I've marched in the marches. I sat on the first few rows when Dr. King gave his speech. I've seen it all. Here's what I've learned. If it's not going to help anything, I'm not going to say anything. But when it is, I need to speak up. So let God show you what to do and what to say. I was like, Bishop, thanks for your time. That's all I need. <laughs> I want to be like that when I grow up. <laughs> And I have stopped myself from saying things that I knew were not going to solve anything. Is it helpful? Before you say it, my God, before you press send, we premeditate. Type it out if you want to. Get it all out your system. Just don't hit the comment button. Don't hit send. Don't press enter. Is it helpful? Is it inspiring? T-H-I, is it inspiring? Take me to the end. Is it, is it necessary? Do I really need to say this? Is, this? is this necessary? Is it really going to solve anything? And then K, I think this one's important. Is it kind? Because Paul said, be kind one to another. Be kind. And honestly, human nature, we're better at being mean. I think we need to ask, is this, am I saying this in love? Am I saying this because it helps them or because it makes me feel better? Because one of those is like Jesus and one of those is like Lucifer. 
Why am I speaking this? Is it kind? And by the way, if something's not said to you in love, then just don't receive it. If somebody says something to you and they say it out of anger, then just reject it. But for everybody else in the room who are the ones who actually say the things, would you carry the conviction that you don't want people to have to rebuke your words? I want, I receive salvation. I want to remain in Christ. Come on. And then I want to, if I receive salvation and I remain in Christ, then I should respond as Christ responds. Or I should not respond as Christ didn't respond. Go read through the Gospels and, and look at the people that Jesus adamantly corrected. Where did they come from? Who were they? How did he do it? Why did he do it? Number three, S-T-O, observe. I love this one. I can't get stuck here very long. Observe. You remember James 1.19? He said, be quick to listen. You need to observe. Do I have all the information? Why does all this stuff matter? Am I looking at this the right way? Here's what I'll ask in closing. When something comes up, if somebody comes to me, I say this quick prayer. God, give me wisdom. And help me to see this from your perspective. God, give me wisdom. And help me to respond to this person the way that you would. Now, I learned that the hard way. I hurt people. And then I had to go find them and apologize. And some of them I never got a chance to apologize. And I don't know where they'll spend eternity. Because I didn't make the most of the opportunity. Is it kind? This is not in your notes. Deuteronomy chapter 30 verse 19. We are told as the people of God. I have called a witness before heaven and earth on this day. That you would choose. Choose for yourself. Life or death. Choose for yourself. Blessing or cursing. If you've been through freedom curriculum you've learned this. If you're going back through it, you're learning it again and again and again. That's why we love our groups, because we just keep learning and we just keep growing. Choose for yourself this day, blessing or cursing. Remember James, in this chapter, he said blessing and cursing cannot come from the same mouth. It shouldn't. Why? Because fresh water and bitter water can't flow in the same stream. Come here, hear me. There's either a river of death flowing in you or there's a river of life flowing in you. This is a day-to-day -day kind of a thing. Choose for yourself this day, life or death, blessing or cursing. And then he says, listen, choose life. Every single day, choose life. Bump your sleepy neighbor, tell him, choose life. Every day, choose life. Hear me, listen, hear me, catch this. If you want to know what you're choosing, then just listen to what you're saying. If you want to know whether you are choosing blessing or cursing, life or death, because the power of life and death lies in the... Don't make me pull it out again. <laughs> Choose life. And if you want to know what you're choosing, then just listen to what you're saying. Here's the final one. Number four, what's the P? pray well I just don't have time to pray listen if you don't have time to pray then you better wait 
If you don't have time to pray, then you need to check your priorities because the enemy is in charge of your schedule if you don't have time to pray. If you don't have time to pray, then Jesus is not in charge of what you decided to schedule for that day. And if you don't have time to pray, then you better not pronounce anything. You better not proclaim anything. Pray, seek God. Psalm chapter 19, verse 14, reading from the New King James Version. Let the words of my mouth, come on saints of God, we're good at telling other people what they need to do. We don't like these sermons. I don't like it either. But the last time I checked, Jesus has given me more influence than I ever asked for. And I'm going to give an account for every word that I said in this life. And I don't want the people that I care about the most, because those are the ones that we lash out at the most, because they're those are the ones that we're most comfortable with. I don't want the people that I care about the most to have to rebuke my words because I said them out of frustration. I didn't cuss at them, but man, I cursed them. I didn't bless them. I didn't choose life. Oh God. Let the words of my mouth, hmm, and the meditation of my heart be acceptable in your sight, O oh Lord, my strength and my redeemer. Why the heart? Hmm. Matthew 12, verse 34. Jesus, you brood of vipers. You know what Jesus just said? You cesspool of snakes. That's what brood of vipers like. That's kind of intense. Jesus, I don't know if you don't know this or not. That wasn't very nice. Jesus needed to listen to Pastor Chris's sermon. No, he gave it to me. He knows. Jesus, I don't know if you've heard the James chapter 3 or not. No, no, watch. Why does he say this? How can you, being evil, speak good things? Let the words of my mouth and the meditation of my heart be pleasing, acceptable to you, O God. Because Jesus said, out of the abundance of the heart, see this tongue, it's just, it's just an amplifier of what I've been meditating on. The tongue is just an amplifier of the heart. A believer's speech should not be venomous, it should be gracious. Here's the scary part. The reason that my speech should be more gracious than it is venomous is because my heart controls what comes out of my mouth. Hear me, here's the good news. In Jesus' name, God help me. I control what goes in my heart. I might not control what's been in my heart. I need Jesus for that. But I will not wake up tomorrow morning and just concede to sin, accept mediocrity and call it grace. No. I will bless the Lord at all times. And his praise shall continually be 
in my mouth. So James concludes the chapter, verse 13. If you're wise, understand God's ways and prove it. But man, I, I think James, James's church would have been a tough place to go to. I'd probably gone somewhere else, made me feel a little better. Prove it. Prove it by living an honorable life. One of our values, core values at this church is to honor all. And we hold one another accountable. You know, I probably shouldn't say this, then don't. Just keep it to yourself. Tell me later, because I kind of want to know what you're about to say now, but we don't, we don't need to say it in front of everybody. You should prove it by living an honorable life, by doing good works with the humility that comes from wisdom. Jump down with me, verse 17. I'm going to pray us out of here. But the wisdom from above, this is so important. It's first of all, somebody better write it down real big. See, impurity and integrity can exist in the same heart. Because the wisdom that comes from above is first of all pure. It's also peace-loving and gentle at all times and willing to yield to others. You want me to what? You want me to let them go first? I'm in the season of life where our kids fight over the front seat. Bless God. Whoo! There's a spirit of slap. You talk about slap a kid. Oh, my goodness. Get in the truck. Y'all just get in the truck. I don't care. Well, Daddy, I'm... strike one. Get in the truck. Just get in the truck. I'm telling y'all, if I hit three, <laughs> get in the truck. Be willing to yield to others. Because wisdom that comes from above is full of mercy and, oh man, I feel like we've preached this. It's full of mercy, not or. It's full of faith and. Come on, James just keeps reiterating the conversation he is trying to get across to so-called saved people. It's full of mercy and the fruit of good deeds. If they ask for a gift, are you going to give them a serpent? If somebody's thirsty, you're going to give them salt water? Oh, I feel this in my spirit. Guys, do we not live? We've taken the word thirsty and turned it into something perverted. Some of y'all don't even know what I'm talking about. I didn't either. I had to be informed by a younger person. When you say, oh, he's thirsty. She thirsty. That's impure. It's, it's dirty. And you know what the biggest issue is? The devil has convinced you that it's okay to laugh about it. <laughs> That's what's wrong. See, we live in a society, oh, they're thirsty. They're parched. Spiritually, they have nothing. They're a desert of depression. They're a desert of discouragement. And we, ha we have the living water. We have it. 
the salt water and fresh water can't come from the same soul. It's full of mercy and good deeds. It doesn't show favoritism. It's always sincere. Verse 18, and I'm praying. Peacemakers will plant seeds of peace. Peacemakers will plant seeds of peace. If you're getting your things together, you're not listening. It just is what it is. Peacemakers plant seeds of peace. And they reap a harvest of righteousness. Come on, I want to invite you, right where you are, every person in this room, to just begin to ask God to help you this week. God, I... I want to plant seeds of peace. God, I want to reap a harvest of righteousness. God, help me to plant peace. Help me to reap righteousness. God, before I leave this place today, maybe I didn't wake up thinking about it this morning. God, help me to choose life. Help me to choose blessing. I'm not going to concede to sin. Come on. I'm going to commit to the Savior. I'm going to be full of the Spirit. I'm going to walk with the Spirit. I'm not going to gratify the desires of the flesh. Though I may stumble, I will not fall. I will not lash out with these three inches of matter that can cut to the soul. God, I will surrender my tongue to you. I will surrender my speech to the Holy Spirit. God, I pray that you would help me to use my mouth to bless, to plant, to water, and to reap righteousness.